I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the full goal presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. yeah. Recording is in progress. Anything you do or say can and will be held against you in the sports court of law. Dun-dun. This has been another Dick Wolf production, where we will propagandize law enforcement and make you feel like all the criminals who are guilty get caught. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Full Golf in Order. <laughs> I've been on a Law and Order SVU binge. Yeah, look at you getting getting spoon fed all, <laughs> all everything that you, that America wants you to believe about crime and investigation. Look at you, Tony. <laughs> Tony's the reason why it's going to be a runoff April fourth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 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 oh my, 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 my introduction to Ice-T, Law and Order. Uh, of course. Of I was course. Like, <laughs> an actor named himself Ice-T? Oh, you are an asshole, boy. <laughs> I love you for it, though. The two legendary rappers you got introduced to by daytime television now. Really much, because they're in syndication. So you mm-hmm. get in the house with LL Cool J, mm-hmm. and you got Law and Order for Ice-T. Those are the, that's what you know those two hip hop legends at four. That's a goddamn shame. We did you we did you a disservice as a community, as a village, 
that that a thirty year old brother <laughs> would be introduced to Ice T and I, and I was gonna say Ice Cube, but you probably didn't know Ice Cube was Ice Cube until what <laughs> was it? Was uh, it one of those? Um, are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> I was gonna say like ride along and some shit. I knew I knew a car ride was involved. <laughs> hey, oh they should have kept it. They should have kept it one hundred. Why they had to go <sighs> mainstream? Stay a rapper. I would have known you as a rapper. Now nah, I know yeah. you as an actor. Yeah, yeah. You would have you'd have known them as the rapper doing odd things on reality TV. If not, <laughs> <laughs> keeping it mainstream. <laughs> I love you for it, brother. I love you for it. Oh, man, this is uh, episode. What, 213 of the Full Go Podcast? Yeah, yeah. Tony G and Jason G had to regulate for 213. Yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't get that Warren G reference either, would you? Do you know who Warren G is? He was on an episode of Flavor of Love one time. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker here, boy. Uh, see, the problem is people don't know if you're messing around or if you're for real. So that's and and people, he is not messing around. This man is dead ass. Like this is the reason why Tony Gill. I wanted the the, the, the blooming of the Tony Gill flower to happen on this podcast. And if y'all been noticing the last what four, five, six episodes, you're getting that real Tony feel, boy. When we get into baseball season, we ain't got bad bulls to talk about, and and the, and the draft has gotten to you know a little bit monotonous boy 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 i can't wait to see what tony pulls out you know <laughs> so to speak you know <laughs> not literally is he, is he still with us who warren g i don't know shit did you just kill warren g hold on let me I'm, check. i know i asked a question i did not kill him off yeah it seems like it sounds i was like asking if he was if he was still in the land of the land. warren g is still with us 52 right. years of age Good you know warren him. g is dr dre's little brother ah yeah hmm. Yeah. Did he put Shout the paws on him, too? <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, what are you on? Is that is that what we on? This pod, you just go. <laughs> All right. I already know what time it is for you. I already know. Hey, man, I'm going to ask you this. Have you been watching this Murdoch trial? Uh, yes. This South Have you? Yes. No, and, and the big the, reason, the the Netflix, they, there's a Netflix series on it. I've watched the Netflix series, yep. and I've watched the HBO series. Have you mm-hmm. seen the HBO one? I have not seen that. You got to check one. it out. You got to check it out. And of course, he, he was uh, found guilty of slaughtering his his wife and his son. But you know, everybody in the family murdered somebody, uh, seemingly. Really? So, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their back. Man, that I have been totally enthralled with that. It is. Uh, it has taken my mind, and my spirits off of Bulls basketball. Um, you know, now I, I I dropped in, do my gig. Watch a couple of hours of basketball. You know, the Detroit Pistons are not a good team. <laughs> They're 15 and 48 on the season. And Chicago Bulls had a 21-point lead against those very Detroit Pistons, and they coughed up that lead, um, as they've been known to do throughout this season, right? And a moment that happened inside that, well, a couple of moments that I think are microcosms of this season and things that should be pointed out and should be um, magnified, to be honest with you, because I don't think they were nothings. Um, This team has been exactly what I thought they were 
And in one single moment, it all came flooding out. In the third quarter of the Detroit Pistons-Chicago Bulls contest, with 5.56 left, Patrick Beverly was blown by. Was it Jaden Ivey had the ball? Blew by Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly opened up the gate, was expecting to have a little big man help. James Wiseman was at the elbow, a little bit more extended uh, at the top of the nail. And James Wiseman is nobody's 19, 18-foot jump shot threat. Nikola Vucevic is standing around the free throw line area, and he doesn't open up to at least even deter, you know, make the wall, build the wall, even deter Jaden Ivey from turning the corner on Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly then has to foul. And then as soon as the foul is called, Patrick Beverly goes on to demonstratively explain to Nikola Vucevic what was wrong or the infraction that was committed before the foul on that play. Nikola Vucevic was not trying to hear any of it. Now, Nikola Vucevic was in the wrong unless they were playing some kind of coverage where on the scouting report, James Wiseman has been known as a knockdown shooter in his few years in the league. So far, I haven't seen it. I don't think the G League saw it when he went down there. I don't think the Warriors saw it when they came up, when he came back up and when they traded him to Detroit. And in the games that he's played this year for the Detroit Pistons, he's stumbled into a couple of double-doubles. Like, he's an athletic talent, but it's all within about 10, 12 feet of the rim. So unless there was a new game plan, unless there was a new coverage, Patrick Beverly was well within his rights to turn around and tell his big man, hey, man, I need you to have my back on this. And this was the moment we were waiting for. This was the moment that I think Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley and Billy Donovan were waiting for. The truth teller got dropped in your locker room, and in that moment you found out what the truth was on both sides. If you can't take critique, if you can't take constructive criticism, if you can't take that from your man, from your teammate, I'm telling you now, Patrick Beverly in walking away from the situation while DeMar DeRozan was kind of consoling Nikola Vucevic and telling him, hey, we got to get back in the game, like get your head back in it. I think Patrick Beverly found out a lot about his new team and a lot about his new teammates. And this was the game after he said he can't be the one leading the team in rebounds. Like all the, all the chest pumping and, and, and all the shit talking and, and, and the, you know, the glares and the talking crazy to opposing, you know, scores, perimeter threats, <laughs> near and far. When it comes down to it, Patrick Beverly understands a certain level of accountability as well. And sometimes you need your accountability to be handed to you. Sometimes you have accountability within you. There's other times when you don't want people to do it in front of people. Well, guess what? It's too late for all that. The Bulls have put themselves in a position where if it needs to happen on the court, if it needs to happen in the locker room, if it needs to happen on the practice court, I'm just glad it happened. I'm just glad that I, as a basketball fan, haven't been feeling something, kind of seeing something, but not really getting any concrete evidence of something. The something is that this team... And this is from my fans' point of view. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not piped in. I'm not tapped in like, like some of the people who travel with the team every single day and some of the people who are around these players every single day. So I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. This team has gotten to the point over the last couple of years where you wonder why, why are they not adhering to 
this part of a game plan which seems to be working so well? Why do you have to continuously remind them how to play offensively? What, what, you know, what's the problem with this facet of the game? Why don't they shoot more threes? Then why, why at the end of the game is DeMar DeRozan always the, 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 the ball-handling decision-maker, which we'll get into in this segment as well? This team has allowed itself to form this false sense of security. And I'm going to say this, and this is from my observer's viewpoint. There is a level of passive aggressiveness on this squad that is set in that when somebody looks you in your face and says, yo, that shit can't go. That, that just can't happen again. <laughs> All right, we need, to, we need to nip that in the bud now. Either they can't accept it or, or they haven't heard it in so long that that's the reaction to it. It's the stain on the leaders on this team. It's the stain on the coach of this team as well. That a dude could be dropped into your locker room that you know, you know is boisterous. You know is going to bring that loud rah-rah shit to your locker room. And in the moment that he does it, you're just hoping it, oh, no, 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 it ain't going to be me. Like, Vooch reacted as if they had been having these kinds of conversations for weeks. This man just got here. So there's something else happening there, too. Vooch is tired of being the, the scapegoat for guys who have been here for a minute as well. You know, Vooch came here from Orlando and was the three-point shooting guy every once in a while. I, mean, I can look up the numbers, but he has been pushed into a position where he has to be one of the leading three-point field goal attempts guys on the team. So his role has had to change uh, a lot from Orlando when he was vying for that eighth and seventh seed seemingly yearly as the best player on the team. Like, you got to understand where he's coming from, too. Free agent year, averaging, what, 18 and 11, 36, 35% three-point shooting. Somebody's going to be able to use that in the long run. And and he's got you by the short and curlies right now because <laughs> you didn't trade him at the trade deadline. And for all this, hey, you know, you got to resign him. There must be something in the, in the works or there must, you know, it, it, there must be a wink and a, and a nudge when you don't sign, a, when you don't trade a guy who's on an expiring deal. Well, guess what? Vooch holds all the cards in this situation now because you look crazy if you don't trade me and lose me. So, yeah, maybe just maybe Vooch is tired of being the scapegoat for things. Both things can be true. Maybe these guys haven't had this kind of energy, which has been sorely lacking for the last couple of years, and your big man is tired of the shit trickling downhill. Now, the other thing, Zach Levine had 36 points in three quarters. Full stop. If I have a guy who's gotten on average, because I'm not a math whiz, 12 points a quarter, guess what I'm looking for in the fourth quarter? <laughs> 12 or more. I'm looking for you to ride this thing on out, get that 50 ball, and, and, and have us talk about why you had to get 50 against the Pistons afterwards. But what I saw in that fourth quarter, man, like, I can't just put it on Io DeSumo and Kobe White anymore. That is a Billy Donovan thing. When the hottest hand on the team doesn't get the ball in the fourth quarter enough, helps you win, and then in the postgame says, guess what, I wish I'd have had a few more shots than I had. I thought I was going, you know, I thought I was going to get a lot more. He said that in a post-game interview. You know why he said it? Because DeMar DeRozan, and this is what I'm trying to figure out, too. Like, there's selfishness, and there's also just who you are. 
And both things can be true. But one one side of that equation, you may not even know you're being selfish, but you just think this is the way that things have to go in order for your team to win. I think DeMar DeRozan moves with that in his mind when it comes to his ball handling decisions, when it comes to fourth quarters like we saw against the Detroit Pistons where Zach is obviously the hotter man on the court. Zach should obviously have the ball in his hands. And DeMar DeRozan is thinking to himself, how can I contribute to this thing? And I'm trying to figure out if he's kind of trying to figure out as well, how can I contribute to this thing so that if we lose, I don't look like I I had 15 points and and was no, you know, factor in this game. Or we only going to win if I get off of this number and start to get to cooking. But again, again, and I don't know if you guys have been looking, but I'd love to talk to somebody, Darnell Mayberry, <laughs> who was around this thing when Billy Donovan had Russell Westbrook, when Billy Donovan had other strong personalities and how he kind of tried to manage those. I mean, it's a Stars League. Don't ever get it twisted. It's a Players League. And Billy Donovan has had some terrific players under his purview for his entire NBA coaching career. He's had some stars. But at some point, you got to look at the way the guys play. I mean, hell, all last year we were talking about drop defense <laughs> and, and, and Billy Donovan saying we don't play it and Nikola Vucevic consistently playing that defense. Now this year, we're talking about offense and offensive responsibilities and sharing the basketball. They had 20 assists in the first half. They had seven in the second. I mean, it's, it's, it's right there for you. It's, it's clear as day. This thing comes down to who can be checked and who's doing the checking. And especially when you're this many games under 500 vying for a play-in possibility, man, no, ain't nobody above being checked. Hell, ain't nobody being above being checked on a real championship contender. And that's the problem that I'm having here, is that if the results aren't what you want, then the method or the process has to change. And for Patrick Beverly, in that moment, for us to see it live and in real time, someone checking somebody, which is something we've been asking for as Bulls fans for three years now, four years now. Hard foul, someone, resistance on the defensive end. All right, fine. You got the defense together. You're playing a different style of basketball. Boom, Lonzo Ball gets hurt. The entire thing changes for the complete year of data we've had. From last All-Star break to this All-Star break, this is what this team has been consistently. Defensively, since the start of this year, they've been one of the best teams in the league. So if you're humming on defense, and in a moment where you are letting a 21-point lead slip away, your general, your point guard, your leader on the floor, your verbal leader, immediately when the acquisition was made, can't turn around to the big and show him up. And that's the other thing, too. What you care about who watching? Like, who, who, who in that moment is more important than Patrick Beverly and the rest of your team? Like, so you, you're, more, you're more worried about having the finger pointed at you than correcting the air. And maybe just maybe this is the other thing, because I'm trying to talk this through. I'm trying to, you know, have a nuanced conversation with myself and with y'all. Maybe just maybe Vooch isn't the guy that needs the rah-rah. Maybe if you pull him to the side and say, hey, fucked up on this one. I need you to open up a little bit more. Come on, man. It's James Wiseman. Come on. You know, if he if he gonna knock it down from 19, we gonna tip our hats and take our ass down the court and score on them. But I need you. I need you. 
you know, this young boy out here, he, you know, <laughs> he, he out here falling from the, from the rafters. <laughs> this young Thundercat is out here. He getting ready to bust my ass. If, if I open up the gate, I need you to shut it down for me. Maybe he needs that. And maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe teammates just need to talk. But then I look at Joe Cowley's piece, which starts to illustrate all the things that I've been thinking and wondering about this team for 60 games now. Everybody's too cool. Nobody can be checked. When you check them, it's going to last for a long time. Hell, we talking about Zach Levine getting mad about the trade deadline and his name being mentioned in rumors. People want you, bro. That's a, What? <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, if some, you know, I love where I'm at and, and I appreciate the opportunity. But if a, if a podcast network started talking about, hey, man, we, we want Jay, I still put it down for the ringer. But please believe him, be walking around this bitch feeling good. Like, hey, we got options out here. You feel me? So the Orlando benching, the, the trade deadline rumors, Pat Bev checking Vooch. Like, these things are still, well, uh, the Pat Bev part is pretty recent. But things are lingering. Things are happening in the moment. They're, they're blowing 21-point leads to kids who ain't really privy nor experienced in winning. They don't nah. have no idea what they're nah. doing out there. No, nah, that fourth they play quarter, hard, though. That fourth quarter, they were, <laughs> that was the, the quintessential young team pissing away a game. That's the, the the last six, seven possessions of that game for the Pistons. Dwayne Casey is, hey, I don't know if he is a drinker, but get that man a good 20 minutes out there every game. So he could, you know, there's a, there's a former Bulls coach who I won't name. I used to, I used to go, <laughs> I used to go into the locker room after one of the numerous losses that I had covered with him. And uh, <laughs> you knew. He had already slammed three by the time you got in there. He's sitting there like, you know, the mouth burp. You're right in your face. You know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to stifle it. You know what I mean? Like, damn, this is that Bud Light? You went, you went Bud. You went domestic tonight. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Like, they let Dwayne Casey, you know. If you smell the faint hint of cognac on that man's breath at the end of a Detroit Pistons home game, let him live. Let him live. He is dealing with a bunch of children who love playing basketball but don't know how to do it right now. And the poor thing, poor Dwayne, you already know Dwayne's fate. The moment them boys get it humming two years from now, Dwayne Casey will be a Sacramento Kings assistant coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, you already know. We know the script. You feel me? You're going to call Steve Wilkes and be like, yeah, they got me again, fam, and then just go hang up the phone. It's not even going to be a conversation. Everybody, every black coach in sports calls Steve Wilkes and be like, yep, they got me too, brother, and just hang up the phone. Steve don't even say nothing no more. It's actually an answer of service now. You, think they, all got a, you think they all got a Slack or a group chat? Oh, you oh, a WhatsApp group chat, all the black coaches in sports. Hey, we just heard, man. Hey, sorry, prayers bro. Up. Thoughts and prayers, man. They put the they put the old school like uh, Pat Summerall like digitized name into insert every. Sorry, Steve Wilkes, for your firing. You know, what I'm saying? it's an automated joint. Oh my god. Oh, we're making fun of racism in coaching. Ah, oh, boy. Yeah, but Dwayne Casey, I know you out there trying. The Detroit Pistons got a young, tough squad. That shit should not happen, though. It shouldn't happen. The, this team, even if it wins 
sitting there putting you through it. Um, but I hope it was um, an eye-opening moment for everyone involved because Pat Beverly is trying his hardest to get to the playoffs. He wants a bigger stage to do the Pat Beverly thing. He got money to make, too. You know, he, Pat Beverly needs a stage. So while the purposes may be different, the results should be the same and the goal should be the same. So if your man can't turn you around and say, hey, I need you, I need you in this moment, then there are more cracks in the foundation than we are led to believe, I, I think. Everybody's questioning Billy Donovan and these rotations and how he's handling these young players, rightfully so. I'm not mad at you if you do, too. I'm not mad at all because I question him on a nightly basis. I mean, let's, let's face it. The fact that Patrick Williams, at this point, what's more important? The playing tournament or making sure you know what the hell you got in Patrick Williams in every situation imaginable, right? Here go 40 minutes. Go embarrass yourself or go make a star out of yourself, right? And I know you got to do what you got to do to win games because you owe it to the veterans. But guess what? The veterans owed you a lot more. Now you're six, seven games under 500 trying to make the 10th playing spot. That's how I see it. So it's an interesting moment. And also something that we should be watching continuously when it comes to Zach. Because Zach does not shield his emotions out there on the court. He does not keep them away from you. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just, it is what it is. There was moments, go back and watch that Pistons game. There were moments, y'all all, we all been there at the Y or Lifetime Fitness or any rec league, you know, open gym, whatever the case may be. And you want to make it plain and clear to everybody that this motherfucker's not passing the ball. And you just do the hands out like this, perfect diamond shape, ready to re- receive the, the pocket pass in the shooting pocket. To, hey, as soon as you throw it over here, I'm, I'm on it, baby. There was a couple of possessions where Zach was just standing there like these. Like, hey, here it is. Wide open target for you. Just throw it in here. Pretty good at catch and shoot these days, you know? And he didn't get the ball. Okay. So, go ahead. I was, I, was, I, was, I was waiting for that Patrick Beverly moment. To, Which one? For him to say, DeMar, what are you doing? This dude is going on 40. Like, why aren't we passing him the ball? Well, this is the other thing. I think Patrick Beverly knows that Vooch isn't DeMar, right? So, you know. And I maybe, those, maybe that's why Vooch took exception. You wouldn't do this to DeMar. I, I mean, yeah, and this is all hypothetical, right? But Yeah, hypothetical. I also understand this. Uh, Patrick Beverly is uh, aware or trying to, trying to take an assessment of the locker room dynamic. This is his first week here. So telling the best score, hey, give the hot guy the, the ball demonstratively, there might be a little bit of different, there might li- be a little different um, communication towards DeMar than it is to Nikola Vucevic, if you know what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, there, might, there might just be a little bit different. That's all. Um, but I'm not, hey, if Patrick Beverly chooses to do that, then knock yourself out. Like, I, I'm just trying to find out what you got. Because I know what you have right now. Like, I'm not, I'm not jazzed about the play-in tournament, okay? I'm not jazzed about whatever the first-round results will be against one of these elite Eastern Conference teams who are vying for an NBA championship, right? This is not a championship contender. This is not a deep-run playoff contender. 
unless they get a matchup where a team's best player is hurt and they start gelling and playing at a different level. Oh, by the way, I made I made an incredible mistake <clears throat> on the postgame show the other day. Um, Dylan Brooks, I'd like to thank you for wearing that outrageous Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, you know, that, that, that costume, that homage to, to, to Stone Cold. But I also said on the postgame show that if the Bulls win five straight games, that I would don that same outfit. So what I've been doing, you didn't hear this, Tony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of the, it was late. It was the end of a segment. It was just some shit that I thought I was going to float. You know, you ever drop that five of hearts and think it's going to walk? <laughs> and immediately somebody just, 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 just put like their four spades on their forehead. Oh, just be I can't like, wait, oh. man. What you mean you can't wait? You I think they're going to do it? Uh, I'm saying when people put that energy in it out there, it, it usually well, comes comes back. Well, so. this is the other thing. I, I've heard that it's made its way down to the locker room. So <laughs> so there's a weird major league thing kind of happening here. Look, look where... if they if they if they're if they're gonna get it together because they want to make Jason Golf wear a stone cold Steve Austin outfit, they got bigger issues. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't think of any better way to end the segment than right there, to be honest with you. <laughs> Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. So we're at that point of the year, Tony Gill, where the most uh, intrusive, most uncomfortable uh, sports spectacle is taking place. And no, it's not, you know, the march up to tournament time where a bunch of kids who are making billions of dollars for colleges all across the land now have to get paid by a dealership or a local mom pa hardware store. I still think that's bullshit, by the way. Like, these schools are like, hey, look, we got NIL. I'm like, no, no, no. When are y'all going to cut the check? It's fine for everybody else outside to cut the check. I got to go, you know, sit in somebody's, <laughs> you, know, you know, I got to sit in somebody's discount grocery for, for two hours just to get my five grand that they promised me. When are you going to cut the check? Or do, do I have to keep continuing to be a billboard for whatever shoe company is outfitting us this year? You know what I mean? But hey, it's not that. It's not March Madness. It's the NFL Combine. The NFL Combine at this point, and I really wonder this, and, and you know maybe we get a chance to talk to some of our draft experts here over the next week or so, but I really, really do wonder if the NFL Combine went away how would scouting suffer? 
Now, immediately, I know what's going to be brought up. What's going to be brought up is the guys who don't get a chance to play on the large levels. This is their only chance to compete against these dudes, right? This is their only chance to show that, you know, my hands are just as big. My, my wingspan is just as wide. You know, my, 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 my 40 time is, is, is I, I, I'm, I'm a dude who's out here running this way but playing at a smaller school. Give me a chance. Trust me, I understand. But those guys got to get invited by somebody, right? Right? So somebody's doing the scouting. Somebody knows that you out here wrecking shop on the Division II level or Division III level. I, I truly wonder how many errors are made because guys learn how to run. You know, they go to speed and sprint camps you know, in, in preparation for this, this week where guys learn how to bench press correctly so they could throw up crazy amounts of reps that doesn't belie the amount of strength that they showed on a football field for two or three years on somebody's college campus. And then on top of it, you know, the optics. The optics are still the optics. Now, I'm going to have fun with it, right? Because I love seeing the big men, you know, run up and down to a degree. But the optics of a bunch of 50-year-old-plus white men sitting in the stands while a bunch of brothers are running around in the tightest of clothing, it's just, you know, at what point are we going to be done with the NFL combine? And if we did away with it, what would really change? What would change? And I, I, I dare to, to, to imagine that you'd have a lot, I think, a lot less misses you get fooled by a lot less when it comes to the measurables. And I know the measurables are only a part of the scouting process. I know y'all seeing them jump up in the air and seeing what their vertical leap is is only part of it. And sometimes guys get a chance to, to go back and, and look at a dude who they may not have thought was this high-level prospect, but all of a sudden their numbers are off the charts and you got to go back and take a look at the tape. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't need to see Will Anderson run a, what, a 4.69 to know that Will Anderson is going to be that dude on the next level. And then this is the other thing, too. We're just setting up landmines for all of this stuff to come out. Now, the Jalen Carter situation, you know, the University of Georgia defensive tackle, many feel is a top two or three prospect in this draft. Many feel could easily be the number one pick in this draft. Uh, implicated. And an arrest warrant uh, was put out by the Athens uh, Police Department for a reckless driving situation that he was involved in where a fatal car crash was the result of it, where a teammate and a staffer for UGA were killed uh, while he and that teammate allegedly were drag racing, street racing, crossing into oncoming traffic, uh, doing reportedly uh, 104 miles an hour was the estimated speed. Uh, the other young man who perished had a blood alcohol level that was, was it point? It was, it was like three times the legal limit. So there was a lot going on here. Now, Jalen Carter, who was supposed to speak, that day, the news got dropped. Then Jalen Carter had to go back to Athens, address the arrest warrant situation, and then he made it back to the scouting combine the next day. He put out a tweet about the nefarious information that was being dis disseminated amongst NFL media types and how he would be able to address it. Uh, all of the general managers and all of the people who were at the 
uh, NFL Combine who are at the NFL Combine in Naptown right now put out their statements of having to take a, a long, hard look and investigate what kind of young man this guy is. And, and I, hey, I got no problem with that. If you're about to invest millions and millions and millions of dollars into a young person, you got to know who they are, what they are, and what they stand for, and what kind of mistakes are just young people mistakes or what kind of mistakes are mistakes that are going to trend towards self-destruction and in the end, a bad investment. Let's just let's just keep it funky. These teams are getting ready to invest. They want to know what their investment will yield them. Now, we need to start, as we did with the Brandon Miller part, at the very top, the most important part of this is that there are two people dead. There are two people dead and multiple people injured because of this situation. But on the other hand, again, I take myself back to a time where I only got a chance to spend one year in college. Right after the, after my first year, came back home, jumped right into the business. In turn, next thing you know, I'm I'm getting checks, small checks, very, 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 very small checks. But you know, at, at 20 years old, 21 years old, I was in the mix, so I didn't have the normal college, you know, um nurturing findings out about yourself, seeing who you can depend on, building certain instincts, building certain tolerances, uh, the regrettable moments, the, the fulfilling lifetime friendships and stories that are created because of time in college. No, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. And it's one of my regrets as a, as a you know, as a grown man to this day, <clears throat> excuse me, is that I didn't have the, the, college experience that a lot of people around me have. But I do know the things that I engaged in as a kid. Now, I have always been fearful of speed. I've always been, and I don't even know if fearful is the right um, term, because I've sped before. We've all sped before. And when I've gotten it, you know, to 100 or close to 100, I've always been like, all right, this is not, this is, this is not something you should be doing. Like, slow down. And, and, and let's face it, there are times when you just shouldn't be driving. Obviously, when you're drunk, and when you when you're under the influence of something, and also when you're angry, when you're mad, you know they always tell you you know stay from behind a wheel because you're gonna make impulsive decisions and things are going through your head. You can't control your environment. Next thing you know, you're in a speeding object. Anything can happen. But looking back on it, I asked myself when I saw these charges, when I saw the arrest warrant, how many situations have I put myself in? where I got out of it or I lived through it, obviously, and said to myself, man, I'm glad I made it. But boy, was that a dumbass decision to make. And I'm not excusing Jalen Carter here at all because more more things will come out about this situation. He'll have to talk about it. More details will emerge, obviously. But the situation is awful, to say the least. Two people died. I mean, there was one University of Georgia prospect who I believe a linebacker who was speaking to the assembled media and, you know, he started to tear up and cry about the loss of his teammate and said that, you know, he would be known as a two-time champion and it's forever written in stone. And you could tell that they're still, they're still hurting. I mean, hell, they just won the national championship. You know, they just had their parade. They just, you know, they still probably celebrate. So it's still fresh and it still hurts. But How many times has Jalen Carter engaged in this? How many times has Jalen Carter been around this? How many times will Jalen Carter do this in the future, right? You have to find these things out because Randy Moss, Warren Sapp, Dan Marino, I mean, there are countless. Laramie Tunsil, 
right? Lyle Collins, there are countless names that have come before us around draft time, during the draft, <laughs> the day of the draft, the morning of the draft with Larry Tunsil. Like, we've seen this before where things come up and you are forced, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, uh, you are forced as a fan, I can't even imagine as an administrator or as an, uh, a general manager or a part of an organization's infrastructure that you have to make a million, multi-million dollar decision on the trust and the good decision-making in the future of a 20, 21, 22-year-old kid who is now a millionaire. That's a tough decision to make. But you got to ask yourself, what do you value? How much do you value it? And how quickly do you want to win? I wonder how this is going to affect Jalen Carter's stock. Is Jalen Carter going to be a top-10 pick? Is Jalen Carter still a top-3 pick? Is Jalen Carter going to fall? After things emerge, other behaviors are going to be dug up. Like, remember when Cedric Benson was drafted by the Bears and he cried on draft day because of the private investigators and all the questions? And at the time, I'll never forget this. I was working uh, for the Boers and Bernstein show, and they were very um, critical of his crying and, you know, said it was weird from the outset. And immediately I understood it. I, I knew what I didn't, I shouldn't say I knew what he was going through, but I, I kind of felt it like, man, you've worked your whole life to get to this point. And now <clears throat> this is when all the stuff about your life and who you've been around and your third grade math teacher, all those things. And you got private investigators following you and you got people who you may not even rock with anymore being asked questions about what kind of person you are. So you're hoping that everything that you've done up to this point puts you in the prime position to earn the maximum dollars before you even played a down of football. It's a lot that goes into it. And on top of it, this should be the best moment in your young life. Right. So all those emotions came flooding out of Cedric Benson. It looked weird for some. For me, I understood it. And now we, when we look back on it posthumously, we know that Cedric was dealing with a lot. So if you're Jalen Carter, these next few days, <laughs> you have to answer every question like it's not rehearsed, but also you got to get coached up. Because millions are on the line. You're going to also have to be talking about two people who aren't here anymore with as much reverence and as much respect as possible because that might turn people off. And I'll ask you this, Tony Gill. Have the things that have transpired over the last 36 hours regarding Jalen Carter, if you were convinced that he was the number one prospect in the draft and you as the Bears fan knew that they were going to trade down and that the three technique is, is utterly important to this defense, would you have a problem with the Bears drafting Jalen Carter? I wouldn't, at least at this point. Neither um, would I. If, if, until there, unless there's more information that comes out uh, about it, uh, until the the law clear clears it up, because it's it's just murky right now. If he's still available to do his job at this point, I say you do it. Yeah. Yeah, and look at how we're talking about it, by the way. Look at look like look at how carefully we have to, you know, detail all the caveats and all the things that have to happen and all the details that have to be addressed and the things that have to be adhered to going forward. Like draft day is not going to be a celebration day for Jalen Carter. Not the way that he would hope 
it would be. The entire draft, the beginning of it, will be about what Jalen Carter has gone through, has put himself through, the situations and experiences that he's had, how he's handled this. Yeah, man. So this thing right here, and on top of it, and 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 I don't I don't want to make this like ham-handed segue, but you know, the football part of it is is part of the equation. The Bears need Jalen Carter to come out smelling like a rose. <laughs> because this is another player that people might be trying to trade up to get. It makes that pick that much more attractive. Hell, the second trade that you might make, if you want to make two trades, say the Bears trade down to four because they feel like they can still get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter because people will be trading up to get Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will, Will Levis, you know, Anthony Richardson, whoever the case may be. Of those four quarterbacks, you feel like two or three of them are going to go in that top six. If Jalen Carter falls out of that top ten, that also takes leverage away from that pick, the value of that pick. You have less suitors for that guy. It kind of flattens out the, the top five or six picks a little bit more for you. So it's going to be interesting. We, we were just watching the Anthony Richardson piece of this in terms of how he'll skyrocket as these uh, interviews and measurables and all the other things take place. His pro day at Florida, right, when he gets set to throw. How C.J. Stroud is going to perform. Like, Bears fans, we should be watching all of this. We, we, we should be keeping our eyes on guys we know ain't going to be Bears because in the end, it's all going to affect the value of this pick. But I don't think any of it's going to affect it any more than what's happening with Jalen Carter right now. One, because other teams might be interested in him and you're trying to figure out how far that interest will drop or how it will raise. I mean, maybe he comes out of this thing looking better than before. I don't see how. Don't get me wrong. I don't see how. And then the second part of it is, this is a guy that you have on your board, right? This ain't a quarterback. This is a defensive impact player at a position that you have totally changed your defense around for, so much so that Bears fans understand the importance of this position because the last time this team was a Super Bowl contender, in the Super Bowl, actually, the three technique was the most important position on that defense. Brian Urlacher was amazing. Safety's made plays. And then safety injuries, obviously we saw what that did in the Super Bowl. But Tommy Harris getting hurt and not being the same, that entire defense changed. Tank Johnson had to move to that three technique in that Super Bowl game. And Tank Johnson, fine player, got his ass handed to him by Jeff Saturday. You want to talk about the, the MVP of that game? Wasn't Peyton Manning, right? Wasn't Dallas Clark. Wasn't Reggie Wayne. Wasn't Marvin Harrison. I actually forget who the Super Bowl MVP is, to be honest with you. Because I know Dominic Rhodes had a good game. But for me, it was Jeff Saturday. He controlled the line of scrimmage. They ran screen after screen after screen. They ran the ball well. That, that game was not how Bears fans thought it would go in terms of an aerial assault against them by the Peyton Manning-led Indianapolis Colts offense. That game was controlled because the three technique was controlled. So we understand as a, as a fandom, as a Bears, you know, community, how important that position is on that defense that we've watched when this team was good before and in the Super Bowl. So one, the pick leverage, and then two, the actual prospect that you could slot in to the defense that you're currently running. Got to keep an eye on this Jalen Carter thing. We'll probably try to get somebody on from the University of Georgia to give us the little lowdown on what's happening, not only with that, but the kind of guy he is and some of those other things. But yeah, man, 
This young man finds himself in a precarious position. This thing happened on January 15th for it to drop right now, the day before you actually start to get to the time trials and the testing of the NFL combine. I do not think it's a coincidence at all, but this is how the game is played. This is how the game is played. So uh, the Jalen Carter situation, I, I don't think will figure itself out here in the next two or three pods, but we'll be monitoring it and, the Bears find themselves, and Ryan Poles finds himself in a position where we're going to find out a lot about Ryan Poles, too. The profile of Ryan Poles is being sketched right in front of us in real time. And the, the trading down rumors, and now you've got a guy who's got potential, quote-unquote, character issues that you're going to have to slot into one of the most important positions on your team if you choose to draft him, if you pass up on him and he turns into Ward Sapp or one of these other dudes. Yeah, man. There's going to be a lot of questions. This is legacy-building time right now for Ryan Poles. These moments right here. We've patted him on the back for doing a terrific job of clearing the cap space and getting through this year with a healthy quarterback, kind of, in Justin Fields and the number one pick overall. Now it's time to see where it's at, right? The, the, the honeymoon period is kind of over. You did that part, right? Now it's time to go on back home and build a life. So this Jalen Carter decision, the decision that's going to be made with the quarterback position, if there is a decision still to be made, and also the number one pick all up in the air. Find out a lot about Ryan Poles in this NFL combine season, and I couldn't be happier about it because we want to know who the architects of your eventual championship-winning teams are or who's holding them back from winning said championships. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. I could have called it. I could have forecasted. And it's happening. It is happening. I, the last couple of times I've been around or behind the microphone, I've been trying to warn people. It's coming. American basketball players versus foreign basketball players is about to be a thing. And this Nikola Jokic third in a row MVP that we're about to see. You got Draymond Green already coming out and saying that European-born players don't get the same criticism, don't get the same um, fervor <laughs> for not winning championships as American-born players they should, do. They should be more specific. I, and you know what's getting more specific. Say with your chest. We are, we are having white. a two... I was about to say, we are, we are having a two Americas breakdown of NBA basketball right now. I saw Ryan Russillo's tweet as well. Uh, <laughs> Russillo tweeted here, and I don't want to mangle his words. So this is what Ryan Russillo had to say about uh, Draymond Green's uh, assertion that European-born players um, don't get the same scrutiny, don't get the same criticism as American-born players. Um, he went on to talk about Dirk Nowitzki a little bit, and which I do appreciate, no doubt about it. He uh, tweeted, Dirk was called every stereotype a Euro could be called when they lost to Miami and then to Golden State. 
Giannis' criticism was heading in that direction. If Jokic wins MVP and doesn't get to finals, we can crush him too. Difference between U.S. and foreign players is trade demands. Now, the last line is the line that I know Ryan Russillo knew was going to be the kicker. The only question I would have for Ryan is how long have these players that aren't U.S.-born players, how long have they been the best players on championship-contending high-expectation teams? Like, how many of those can you give? Dirk, yeah. Dirk got killed, right? But I go back to, and and I sound like an old head, but I remember when Tony Kukoc and Dino Raja were kind of like the foreign sensations. It's like, oh, look, they're sending over the European players. They're, they're so unselfish, and they're great passers and great teammates. They're, they're soft. They don't play a lick of defense, but they can all shoot, and they got high IQ. Like, just every stereotype you could possibly throw on a player is pretty much saying, hey, there's really talented white guys that you could bully that are getting ready to come over here and affect the NBA game. It's pretty much what they say. Tall dudes who could shoot, who you don't have to really coach about passing and all those other things, but they're going to get flamed on the other end of the court. You guys ready? All right, break. Like, like that's, what it, that's what it felt like as a young basketball fan back in the day. But aside, and, and, and I'm, just, I'm just workshopping this right here. Who are those guys? Because the guys who have trade demands in the league now are dudes who are the best player on their team, who have high expectations, and, and the high expectations are ahead of them, and it's just simply not working out for that, for that organization. So if you want to go Kyrie, hey, <laughs> damn near best player on his team. Second best in this situation with Brooklyn, right? Best player when it was Boston. Second best when it was Cleveland. But one of the premier players in the game. Can we all agree, right? Kevin Durant. <laughs> Arguably the best player in the game. Okay, keep going down the line. Who, who are we really talking about here? Because it's going to get, and I saw what, I saw the, the responses and replies to Ryan Rosillo's tweet. And the people who were cheering like, yeah, you tell him, Ryan. Similar vein. <laughs> and the people who are like, hold up now. <laughs> Similar vein. What I'm saying is, there is getting ready to be, and, and the owners are aware of it. The NBA community is aware of it. There is getting ready to be a standoff. And I said this on local radio a couple of days ago. Just take a look at the All-Star game. Just take a look at how the, the MBs, the Giannis's, and the Jokic's of the world are being positioned. And it's not going to be too long. And I'm talking about generationally. I'm talking about 20, 25 years from now. I keep saying it. The basketball players that will be U.S.-born basketball players, yeah, of course you're going to see dudes who get it out the mud and, you know, the, the best player in a little town or the best player in a big city and just is undeniable, unstoppable. But the middle class, the middle class of the NBA, where the owners want to know what they're they going to deal with, they want to know what they can expect, you're going to have the U.S. basketball population um, composed of high-resourced, highly trained sons of ex-players. And then you're going to have the entire foreign influence because the game is exploding over there. Because we used to do the whole, all right, I wonder if they'll stash and uh, draft and stash this guy. Now, you're getting dudes who get drafted. I mean, 
shit, Al Shingoon, hey, come on over. Come get buckets immediately. You know, for the Rockets, I know. And and he, you know, they, they ushered him in, I should say slowly but surely, but that's a dude who wouldn't have seen the NBA for the first three years of his professional career after he got drafted. Now, it's necessary. And he's a damn good player. He's one of my favorite players in the league, actually. But I would caution NBA players right now, hey, get your sons ready because all of this shit that we're watching, I mean, look at it. John Morant, the league can't wait to hand the league to him. The league is trying to hand the entire league to him. And he's busy making them double think that, <laughs> second guess that, I should say. He's, he's busy doing everything in his power to make them think, ah, is this, is this a good pick? Is this a good, is this a good face? Zion can't stay on the court, unfortunately. And everybody treats Steph like he's still 32 years old. But at some point, the babyface assassin going to have to say goodbye. The league sees the Luka Doncic's of the world, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's, the Nikola Jokic's of the world. And I wouldn't be surprised if this thing looks like baseball 30, 35 years from now where you'll have your two or three American-born players running around. And it'll be interesting to see if the NBA community gets behind that too, right? Because we're talking about a, an American, a, a global sport, but a fiercely tribal and xenophobic sport as well. Fiercely. And we're starting to see it bubble to the top here. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see how this thing like, kind of unfolds. Because the CBA and guaranteed contracts and the conversations around load management and all the other things, and then you got the, the dudes who ain't from here coming in here trying to play all 82 every single season. Uh, Giannis gets mad when he misses games. Nikola Jokic is talking that stuff about wearing suits again because you, you're going on a business trip. Like, they talking that talk the owners like. Meanwhile, you got laser pointers. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, you slapping the shit out of 17 year olds on pickup courts, allegedly. Right. Meanwhile, you tweeting books <laughs> and saying, hey, why y'all mad at me? <laughs> you know, right. Meanwhile, you signing contracts. Russell Westbrook has been on six teams in the last four years. And I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm not saying it's Josh's fault. I'm not saying it's Zion's fault. I'm not saying it's any of these dudes fault. All I'm saying is, look around. And when Draymond Green says this and gets the response that he gets, that's just a little, little toe in the water. Just checking that temperature like, ooh, it's a little, it's a little chilly in here than I thought. Okay. I like Luca that much. All right. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you step into the spot. You're like, oh, this is the landscape. All right. All right. You like dad jokes from the Greek freak? You like Joel Embiid? Like, remember, remember big cuddly Joel Embiid? Like, laughing all the time, joking all the time? He cut that shit out. He's scoring 35 points a game and is an MVP candidate. Next thing you know, the Philadelphia 76ers are a perennial championship contender. Like, take a look at the landscape, fellas. You know? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people that look like you that ain't you in the league. And you're going to be asking, how did this happen? And you're going to look back at the, the, the 20s, the bustling 20s, and say, man, we kind of shit the bed there when, we, when, when load management got spun in a we out here not working, quote unquote, not working when maybe just maybe dudes are really hurt. 
Dudes are out here playing more possessions and more games than they've ever played. And, and also, dudes are getting to the league and getting to college playing more games than, than any high schooler has played in generations past. So it's going to be incumbent upon the Players Association and the powers that be to kind of turn this thing around because it's going to be used when the CBA comes up. You got you to gotta redirect this messaging. I don't care if it ain't true. If you know what's best for you, you talking crazy about the kings that are getting ready to come in here. And don't look now. There's a big Frenchman that everyone is telling you is going to be the next unicorn that the NBA hasn't seen before. It's not by chance that this is happening. The game is so global now that the resources are so vast that you and whatever you've gone through and the, the teachings that you've had and the basketball that you've learned, the culture and, and community and society that you've grown up in, it don't matter anymore. <laughs> Do you fit the bill for what we are trying to sell? Will you play every game? I mean, let's face it. You look at some of the Latin brothers that come over and, and, and get ready to play baseball. Like, you look at how the, those small towns like San Pedro de Macariz and some of these places in, in Venezuela and the Dominican and Puerto Rico, how they were taken advantage of with these baseball warehouses for decades. 16 and 15-year-olds being given pennies on a dollar of what they should have been earning. And then baseball stepped in and was like, all right, we should try to kind of put some, some uh, restrictions on this, put some re- regulations on this. And now you look up, dudes can't wait to get over here. <laughs> can't wait. There's money waiting and there's a better life waiting. So if I'm the American-born basketball player, just take a look at the landscape, take a look at the scenery, take a look at some of the reactions that is being said. And on top of it, got to get better too. <laughs> got to get better. Nikola Jokic was uh, an afterthought, an afterthought. He is going to be a three-time MVP just because of his high IQ, his incredible knack for the game, his understanding, his feel. He's, he's skilled. Don't get it twisted. Don't act like this is just some big blob running up and down the court. But all the shit that you want him to go through that American-born basketball players go through, guess what? They just showing you. He ain't got to go through it. <laughs> And if you want to change the game, one microphone at a time, one outside the box media member at the time, hey, ain't no podcast going to save what's getting ready to hit the NBA, the tidal wave that's getting ready to hit the league. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a new-looking league here soon. I remember when there was the, the one or two European dudes right now. <laughs> now, the game, and don't get me wrong, and I don't want it to come off like, I'm not talking about the evolution of the game. The game is better because there is a wider talent pool. Don't ever get it twisted. The game is better. I'm just making sure some of these brothers understand how the focus and how the game is getting ready to shift or evolve, depending on how you look at it. The full goal with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 213. You know, shout out to Warren G. Tony. Of the Full Gold Podcast, want to thank our production staff. As always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. I actually had a phone conversation with my man, Steve Cerruti. Sounds like he's in good spirits, ready to get back at it. You know, he's been hanging out with the baby and the, and the, the lovely wife. Now he's getting ready to have podcast dominance over your, your, uh, your un- uh, 
unassuming souls out there. So shout out to our guy, Steve Cerruti. Uh, the active Jesse Lopez. Jesse couldn't be with us today. Uh, but shout out to our guy, Jesse, and my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. I want to thank y'all for downloading this thing. I want to thank y'all for subscribing to this thing. I want to thank y'all for sharing it with your family and friends. Also, for rating and reviewing this thing and giving it the five stars that you know it deserves. It's not. We're going to see you in the streets. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday, right? No, Sunday. Is today Thursday? Today's Thursday, right? I'm messing up the days. We'll talk to you on Sunday. See, it's a therapy Thursday. I'm all over the place. So we'll talk to you on Sunday. Uh, We got another Bulls game to talk about. Kevin Durant, is he going to be playing on Friday night against the Bulls? We will find out. Looking forward to Suns, Bulls, and also more of the draft combine coverage. Maybe we'll get somebody in here to talk a little college basketball as well. I keep teasing that, but at some point, we're going to have to make mention of how Northwestern and Illinois are doing. And just maybe... We'll talk about a little Blackhawks because they've already bottomed everything out and getting ready to tank, trying to get that first pick in the draft. Patrick Kane is a New York Ranger. We already did that episode, so we are ahead of the curve on that. So we'll uh, we'll throw it around on Sunday for you. And if you want to jump into the voicemail, feel free. The full goal voicemail line is always open for you. 773-359-3103 is the phone number. 773-359-3103. So for Steve, for Jesse, and for Tony, I am Jason Goff. Thank you as always. We'll leave you with this. Take care of each other and be safe. We will see you on Sunday.